morning, Honey Ridge Church family, and welcome to all of you who are following our service online. It's great to be back for this service, and I'm also very grateful for the privilege to be able to bring God's Word to you this morning. It's been about 18 months, I think, since the COVID pandemic first came to our country, and uh, we are now, of course, in this deadly third wave that has hit us like something of a tsunami. And in that, I know that prayer has become even more important than perhaps ever before. We are praying for each other. We're asking others to pray for us. We're praying for our pastors, our elders, our deacons. We're praying for all our doctors, our sisters and nurses and healthcare workers. And of course, we're praying for our country as a whole. And despite lockdowns and they may be perhaps even more severe, who knows, we can still pray. We can still freely call upon the Lord for his grace, for his love and for his mercy. And there is no lockdown of any kind that can affect or restrict prayer. Now, the title that I've chosen for the message this morning is Behold, He is Praying. Behold, He is Praying. And I borrowed those words from Acts chapter 9 and verse 11. Very briefly, the context there is the conversion of Saul, who became the great apostle Paul. Saul was persecuting the early church in Jerusalem, and he consented to and he witnessed the death by stoning of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. Saul was on his way to Damascus, to attack the believers when he had this wonderful encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road. And Saul was wonderfully converted, he was saved, and his life was completely transformed. In a vision, the Lord told a believer in Damascus named Ananias to go and visit Saul at a particular address in the city. The word got, had not yet got out about Saul's conversion, and Ananias was understandably afraid. After all, Saul was here in the city to put believers in prison and perhaps even to put many to death. In a vision, the Lord told a believer named Ananias in Damascus to go and visit Saul at a particular address in the city. The word got, had not yet got out about his conversion, and Ananias was understandably afraid. After all, Saul had come to Damascus to put the believers in prison and to take the lives of some. But the Lord told Ananias that Saul was now his chosen instrument to take the gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And the proof of his conversion was that he was praying. Acts chapter 9 and verse 11, the Lord said to Ananias, Behold, he is praying. And the Living New Testament paraphrase puts it like this, He is praying to me right now. Now today we seldom use the word behold and uh, probably consider it to be an outdated and archaic term. So we often say, wow, just, just take a look at this. Check this out. This is so utterly amazing. But you know, the word behold is an important word because it literally means this is something you really have to see, something you must not miss. This is wonderful, and the whole sense of that 
that older word has a sense of awe to it. And so we can understand why the Lord uh, sent, said this to Ananias about Saul. Behold, this is amazing. Just look at this. Behold, he is praying, and he is praying to me. Now this morning I want to direct our attention uh, to the subject of prayer. And of course we can never cover fully every single thing about prayer. But in particular, I want us to consider just one, one aspect of the prayer ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, there are over 30 New Testament references to Christ praying, and each one is a study on its own. So we're only going to be able to look at a certain aspect of Christ's prayer ministry. If you read through the Gospels, you will have noted that prayer was important and even vital to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was part of his daily life, part of his daily ministry. He not only prayed often, but he often spent long hours in prayer. He awoke early in the morning to pray, and then we read that sometimes he withdrew from his disciples to spend a whole night in prayer. And at other times, the disciples personally heard Jesus praying. And then Jesus more than once spoke to the crowds that had gathered around and he spoke to them about the importance of prayer. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 tells us that on one occasion Jesus was praying in a particular place and it seemed to be that he was praying together and alone with his disciples and the disciples were so aware of the prayers of Jesus and how very different they were to the stiff, starchy, cold, traditional prayer recitals of the religious leaders. They were so aware of this that when Jesus had finished praying, one of them said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We need to learn how to pray. Now teach us to pray. And Jesus then taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer in which he set out the principles that we should incorporate in all of our praying, beginning with the adoration and the worship of God our Father. And there are other occasions where we see that the Lord prayed specifically for his disciples. And that's where uh, we are going this morning. Jesus praying specifically for his disciples. His concern and love for his own is clearly seen in the prayers of Jesus for these special men. And Jesus is indeed our pastor shepherd. And take time to read through John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I know my sheep and they know me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And his children, and that includes us as well, are so precious to Jesus that he prays for us with a deep, loving sense of care, the care and the the love of a saviour, of a divine shepherd and divine friend and a caring father. Do you remember the Passover meal on the Thursday night before Christ went to the cross? Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan is desiring to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. 
And that word prayer there is an intense word. I have prayed for you. It literally is a word of deep emotion. And it means that he beseeches God. In fact, the word can even mean that he begs God. So deep is his concern for Peter. Begs God to keep Peter in his great love, care, and protection. And yes, we know that that very night, Peter denied Christ three times. But he never abandoned Christ, and he never lost faith in Christ. When they had breakfast on the beach, and you read of that in John chapter 21, breakfast on the beach at Galilee after Jesus had risen from the dead and met with the disciples, Jesus restored Peter. And he gave him the great privilege of preaching the first gospel message on the day of Pentecost, the day the church was born. Peter became one of the leaders of the early church, and he wrote two lovely letters in which you can see the love and devotion that he has for the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we go back again to that Passover meal just hours before the cross, we see what is called the great high priestly prayer of Jesus. And that's in John chapter 17. And there are three parts to that prayer. Firstly, Jesus prays for himself, verses 1 through to 6. He prays that he, and through his work on the cross, would be glorified so that, and this is important, so that he will glorify God his Father. This prayer is not some self-centered prayer, some kind of selfish prayer for himself. He wants to be glorified so that in that he would glorify God his Father. Then secondly, in verses 6 to 19, Jesus prays for his disciples there present with them. Listen to what he says. He says, Father, you gave them to me, and they are yours as well. And at least three times, Jesus says to his Father that his disciples are his, they're yours, they're God's, and they are mine. And what wonderful and blessed assurance that is for us who know Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And we see it again in John 17 and verse 10. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. Jesus goes on in his prayer to his Father and says that he is leaving the world and coming to him, to his Father, and he asks God to protect his disciples as he leaves them behind. He asks God to care for them. He says, I have kept them safe, and as I come to you, keep them safe in this world. Don't take them out of the world, says Jesus, but I pray that you would protect them from the evil one, protect them from Satan whilst they are in this world. And then thirdly, in verses 20 through to 24, in John 17, Jesus prays for us. He prays for you and he prays for me. And we could slip the words of our title in right here. Behold, he is praying. He's praying for us. In other words, don't miss this. This is wonderful. This is awesome. Jesus, way back then, is praying for us. 
Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, that is the disciples who were there listening to him. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And my friends, that's us. Jesus is looking down through the centuries to all who would believe the gospel that Peter and the others would begin to preach in those early days. Jesus prays there for a unity of heart and of mind and of spirit and purpose in the church that would grow out of the preaching of the gospel by those 11 men. The Lord loved us before we knew him and he knows that you and I will come to faith in him and trust in his redeeming work upon the cross and the prayer for us spans the centuries. But let's ask the question that I've heard a number of people ask. What has Jesus been doing these past 2,000 and more years? What is he doing in heaven right now? Some would say, quite correctly, from John chapter 14, that Jesus is preparing a home in heaven for us. Jesus said to his disciples that he was going to leave them, and they were confused, and they were concerned, and he said, I'm going to prepare a home for you in heaven, and I will come back and take you to be with myself. There are many scriptures which tell us that Jesus, in his high and exalted position now, at the right hand of God, his Father, is surrounded by countless worshipping angels. And he is awaiting that appointed moment determined by his Father to return to this world again. And yes, that is true. That is what he is doing now. But here's that behold moment again. And again, friends, this is so wonderful and don't let's miss this. Jesus continues in his interceding prayer ministry for us even today. Did you see that in the two passages that were read to us just a little earlier in the service? First of all, Romans 8, 31 to 39. The Apostle Paul outlines the Lord's incredible love, grace, and mercy toward us in eternity past and in time, he said, he foreknew us. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, to become like Christ. Then he said, he called us. And we know that he calls us by his Holy Spirit. Then he says, he justified us. That means he made us right with God through the work upon the cross and our faith in his work and in him. And then it says, he glorified us. That simply means he sees us now in heaven with him. He sees it as an accomplished fact. And so he goes on to say, who then can be against us? In the light of all those great truths, who can be against us? Who can bring any charge against us? Paul says he is convinced that neither death, neither life, Neither angels, demons, the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. And that would include COVID. 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great passage of Scripture. And right there in the, in the middle of this incredible passage of assurance and the love and the grace and the power and the sovereignty of God are these wonderful words. Jesus, who was raised from the dead, is at the right hand of God interceding for us. That is what he is doing. At the right hand of God, praying for us. And again, let me say, behold, look at this. This is amazing. This is awesome. This is wonderful. He is praying for us. That should encourage us. In fact, in verse 27 of that chapter, we read that the Holy Spirit also prays for us with deep emotion and with purpose and deep intensity. It says with groans that cannot be expressed by words. We also read earlier from Hebrews 7, verses 23 to 25. And the writer takes time to emphasize the perfect priesthood of Christ, set in place by God himself, sealed and confirmed by an oath from God, which means he puts behind that his name, his reputation and his sovereignty and his power. Now read on, verse 24. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, and therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because, because, and he has the other behold moment, because he always lives to intercede for them, for his children, and that's for us. Dear friends in Christ, it is so wonderful and so utterly wonderful to know that we have a Savior who never forgets to pray for us. We often say to someone, and we have people say to us, I'm praying for you. And we do that with every good intention, and we do pray for them. But there are times that we can forget or omit to be praying for them. How wonderful to have a Savior who never forgets to pray for us, who never sleeps, and who is never overwhelmed by the needs of his people. At the end of Hebrews chapters 2 and 4, some of my favorite passages of Scripture, we read that when Jesus was here on this earth, he was made like us in every way, and yet without sinning. Passage tells us that he, he suffered when he was tempted. We know from his life and his ministry through those three years, he suffered through personal bereavement. Jesus was disappointed. Jesus was personally hurt. Jesus was discouraged. Jesus was betrayed. And every single pain, emotional, physical, and spiritual, that you and I face and have to pass through in this imperfect world in which we're living, Jesus faced and Jesus passed through. Jesus experienced. Dave Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and for Sufferers, says this, 
The reason Jesus is in such close proximity with us is that the difficult path we are on is not unique to us. He has journeyed on it himself, and he is with us in our troubles like a doctor helping us who has endured the same disease. My dear friends, I trust that you may be encouraged this morning and that you may realize afresh that whatever you have passed through, whatever you are passing through, and whatever we may have to face in the future, the the unknown and unpredictable future, Jesus has walked that road. And he is praying for you. Yes, I would say, pray for me. And you would say, please pray for me as well. And I've said we must be praying for others. But remember that in all of this, we have Jesus praying for us right now. And I would say again in closing, behold, he is praying. That is such a a wonderful truth, an awesome truth. And I trust that more and more we would come back to these scriptures and more and more we would understand and realize and grasp this great encouraging truth that Jesus prays for us. He loves us and he cares for us no matter what we may face. Now let's bow together in prayer. Our Father and our God, we want to thank you so much that you sent your only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into our world to become our friend and our saviour, to be the one who would pass through every experience that we pass through, yet without sinning, so that we have this great high priest to whom we may go at any time, this great high priest who understands what we face and what we pass through, this great high priest to whom we may go with confidence in our time of temptation and our time of need and our time of discouragement. We want to thank you that because Jesus rose from the dead, he is alive and his ministry to us continues. And through him we can know him personally as our friend and our saviour and one who walks with us every single day. And Lord Jesus Christ, we want to express again this morning our love for you and to say again that we desire to love you more and more and more and help us in these these days of huge uncertainty and of pain that we are passing through as a country that we may take every opportunity to share the gospel of the good news of your love for men and women that others may come to know him even as we do. And we pray this in and through your most wonderful name. Amen. Amen and God bless you.